and welcome to Beat the Press, the show that talks about how footballers and the people around them deal with pressure on and off the pitch. With me, as ever, is my co-host, Luke Chiverton. Hiya, John. Good to be here. So um, back for the second part of our interview with Dr. Bruno Di Michelis. What an absolute gentleman he was. Having given us some amazing stories in the first episode where we talked about his time at AC Milan, we decided that it was worth doing a whole new episode on his time at Chelsea. I mean, it goes without saying that Bruno is a man that I could listen to all day long (laughs) without, without any sense that... I was I was becoming kind of bored by what you're saying. I mean, it's just absolutely fascinating. For those people that didn't listen to the first episode, would thoroughly recommend going back and doing that. Uh, but Bruno is AC Milan's former scientific coordinator. So he was with Milan between 1986 and 2009, so over the, the Sacchi-Capello-Ancelotti era. And he founded uh, the Mind Room, which is... Italian football's first psychology laboratory. And I think we're probably right in saying the world's first football psychology laboratory. Yeah, definitely. And and I think, you know, just going back to what you said there, it's definitely worth going back to listen to that first episode because we go into a lot more detail around what kind of Bruno's specialism is, um, a little bit more detail about the, the psychological work and the sports science work that he introduced to AC Milan, at which, you know, in the 80s and 90s was completely cutting edge. Obviously, this episode moves on to, he was at AC Milan for 23 years. This episode focuses on a a much shorter period of time when he was at uh, Chelsea, higher turnover of managers, as we know. Uh, So when he uh, moved to Chelsea with Carlo Ancelotti, John. Yeah, moved there in in 2009. And I mean, it's not giving anything away to say they won the double in his first season alongside Ancelotti. Bit of a tougher second season, but but we talk about that in the interview uh, at length. And his kind of role at, at Chelsea was was actually slightly different to the, to the one that he occupied at Milan. So he was tasked with going into Stamford Bridge, setting up an equivalent to the mine room. But he was also appointed as Carlo Ancelotti's assistant coach, which for a man uh, by his own admission that hadn't played football was, was something of a surprise, I think, to me. Yeah, there's, uh, there's some lovely anecdotes about how the players responded to an assistant coach that didn't know anything about football. So listen out for those. <laughs> and John, a, a big part of the interview actually focuses on, I mean, what you and I were most interested in was the culture change between kind of introducing these kind of methodologies and approaches at a club like AC Milan and then kind of coming into the English game, albeit in 2009 when, when kind of the English game had become a lot less parochial and a, and, and a bit more kind of cutting edge in its own right. Yeah, that, that that is true. I mean, Bruno Bruno talks about, as Luke mentioned, some of his dealings with some of Chelsea's English contingent, and you know you can imagine that uh, the the reaction of John Terry might differ slightly to the reaction of Clarence Seedorf when you're talking about psychological support. But also, just I mean, you talk about John Terry. I mean, Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba, Petr Cech. There's just some huge personalities in that Chelsea dressing room who had already had a, a, a long period of success with kind of Jose Mourinho and, and kind of other managers that had gone before Carlo Ancelotti. So just you know, as a general kind of human interest piece, just fascinating hearing what a challenge it was to kind of come in and say, right, we're going to try and do something different. Yeah, I think there's something for everyone here. You know, if you're interested in the psychological aspects of you know, how, how a double winning team is underpinned. Bruno's, Bruno's got it there. Uh, and, and if you're interested in just some fantastic anecdotes about Chelsea's, Chelsea's kind of 09 to 11 squads, then uh, they're in there as well. 
So, Bruno, maybe if we just set the scene. So it's the summer of, of 2009 and Carlo Ancelotti has been appointed manager of Chelsea. What does he say to you to convince you to join Chelsea after having 23 years at, at Milan? Well, that's, a, that's really a, a funny story. Uh, it was the moment when he asked me, we were in Milanello. It was at the training ground in a, of AC Milan in Milan. And eventually he came to me after training. He was just, I mean, ended the training. Uh, and it was almost the end of the season. And he came close to me and he said, uh, do you want to come to me with to lo- in London? Do you want to come to me to London? That's exactly what he said. And immediately he said, oh, yeah, sure. Why? Because I know that wherever you go with Carlo, you had, you know, incredible, exceptional lunch. He is a, a fantastic guy. He loves to go and eat in, in, you know, very, very good restaurant, especially Italian. And that's what I thought. I mean, I thought about going for a weekend, maybe. And so I don't, in, in my immediate answer, impulsive answer was, yes, for sure. When? And then he said, well, we will see. So we will see. I said, what does that really mean? So he went to the said, but, and where are we going? He said, to London. And that's when he said, you know, we go to, to work at Chelsea. We may be appointed there. And then it was a yes, okay, we are going. <laughs> that's exactly how this happened. And so I remember when we moved, uh, I started immediately, you know, to to support him in, in learning English. And uh, uh, I told him, you know, if you want to go there, you must learn English. You know, those guys, they are so proud. They love their language so much. You cannot, you know, be appointed as a, a super top coach, you know, speaking a very bad Italian. You have to speak at least a reasonable, you know, uh, uh, football English. You know, just talk about football. And then he was very, very diligent. You know, I remember when we, when we joined the club, we went, uh, we joined a couple of weeks ago before, and we went to Amsterdam for a two weeks uh, full immersion. You know, plus it was eight hours a day. So a very, very well organized, a specialized institute. You know, to to make this uh, full immersion course. And then he was also, he used to have two or three uh, lessons per week, you know, his private, uh, and became, you know, his English became acceptable. So this is how, how, how the story starts. You can start with, do you want to come with me to London? And I, so I thought it was just for, for a weekend or, you know, <laughs> for, a, for, for, for a, a nice dinner or, or a lunch at the restaurant. And it was, no, it was an offer. And, uh, and it just it took me, so I was very pleased and proud because you know, uh, in the very beginning he was allowed just to bring one staff, and the fact that he chose to bring me, you know, was I mean so unusual. And then the role that he proposed me, uh, you know, we know and I knew very well how, how how it works in England, you know, with the fact that the coach is a manager, and he didn't want to be a manager. He wanted to be a coach, and this is this is what he made it clear at the very beginning. So he said, uh, "No, he was appointed as a manager, you know." But then, when he spoke with the club about the duty and and, and the, 
and the role, he said, I don't want to be the manager. I want to be a coach. You know, I'm not an expert in there. Someone else has to do that. And uh, <laughs> it was also the way to explain uh, the press and the conference and the people, you know, and the journalists, why I was there. It was too complicated for him to explain that he brought with him a sports psychologist, the head of sports science, the, the Milan lab, you know, founder with him to do what? He didn't know how to do it. So remember that he said, okay, he said, I will have a couple of assistants. One is, uh, is, is uh, Ray Wilkins, you know, that I know very well. He played in AC Milan with Bruno de Michelis. For all the rest, all the other things, I will appoint him to do that. So the club appointed me as not only as a first assistant coach. So the incredible thing is that I officially, I was appointed as an assistant coach. I have never played football in my life. Never. Not even as a goalkeeper. <laughs> never. Zero. No. <laughs> so funny. So officially, I was an assistant coach. And, which was to me very important, the role that the, the club, I mean, um, gave me was the human performance director, which that really helped me to develop I mean, in deep and, and, and with the power, put it this way, you know, the ability and the, and, and the power to make decisions, you know, the, the Chelsea lab, put it this way, or trying to, to apply sports science that was already, I mean, very well organized. At the time, they have a very good uh, sports science department there. I mean, the guy who was in charge there, I mean, um, when he moved to, to Paris as a terrible car accident, he died. At the age of 37, it was a, I mean, a tragedy because he left, he left the family and, you know, little kids. So, uh, this is how everything started. So, we started with, uh, the, just the two of us ruling this very new experience. Very, very new. And Bruno, when you first arrived and started to get down to work, what were your initial impressions of working in English football? I remember it was, uh, I mean, very uh, delicate at the beginning, you know, because uh, if you missed, this is my the first impression that I have. If you missed to establish to establish uh, a, a strong, positive rapport with the player and especially the English player, <laughs> so as you guys, I mean, from one hand, we call this, you know, uh, I told you, you know, uh, intensity uh, fighter. Uh, challenger, achiever, uh, committed. So, from the other hand, if they disagree, you can start to use the word the the, the word stubborn. <laughs> That's it. when you have to deal with the stubborn British person, then you have problem. <laughs> don't worry, I, I don't think that's an unfair assessment of the British mindset at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's true. I had it when I was introduced to your beautiful, uh, you know, I mean, way of life, which is the uh, after work in pub, you know, when you start to drink, that's when it's all, when it's, you never give up. And I saw this guy and I thought to myself, and said, I cannot realize that he's dead drunk, but drunk in an incredible way. I want to drink more, one more pint of bitter. Okay, let's have one more pint of bitter. So how is this possible? So you cannot talk, you cannot stand, you cannot walk, 
you, you cannot you cannot think anymore, but you still want to drink. You want to give up and you add something. Now, not just a beer, beer and whiskey. <laughs> now, now a, you have a problem because you are dealing with an Italian and Venetian. We know how to deal with alcohol, so we don't give up too. Okay, so that's where anyway, I was only the winner. You know, I never played football, but I played pubs many times also here in Italy. <laughs> So, Bruno, you were, you were sort of mentioning there, <clears throat> I, I guess, coming up against, uh, you know, particularly with the English players, with a slightly different sort of mentality, um, I suppose. Did, did you find that, that were there any, was, you know, how, how was it bringing your methods to, to Chelsea, give, given that slightly different culture? Well, I mean, as I said at the beginning, for a coach, it's a, it's a gift, I mean, you know, finding people like that. I told you, when I met Carlos at sometimes Carlos, you will be surprised because this guy, you know, they need to be pulled back, not pushed. Really, I'm not kidding. You know, this guy, they will hurt himself. We need to protect them from themselves because they were, I know, I told you, you know, they, they, they have no gear. They only have one gear full speed. They want to go. So, and we live in England. Uh, we have a difficult weather here. It's humid. It's cold for many times. And the pitch will be wet. You know, all these are factors that, you know, that he names and raise the, the, the risk of injury. And in fact, we have a lot, a lot of injured players, you know, during the winter season. So, so we must be really careful. We need to, I mean, to uh, protect them from themselves. In the meantime, as, uh, no, we don't have all the British players. And uh, sometimes they have different mentality or, or, they come from different way of training. I mean, not because they, they, they're not lazy. They, they think differently. And we had, you know, to put the things together. So you ask me, how did I do that? I tell you that uh, when Carlo introduced uh, his way of thinking, his uh, mission, his value, uh, the way that he was playing football, I remember this is exactly what I suggested him from the very beginning, being also his coach. I mean, uh, all the coaches that I have, I'm talking... Carlo Ancelotti, I'm talking Fabio Capello and, uh, and Enrico Sacchi at the beginning, they asked me to be their coach. I mean, there was their personal coach in personal development program because I was the first to say, forget this mental trainer, forget this, you know, motivator, all this stuff, because basically they create an external leader. Generally, you know, like in the family, you don't want someone, no, uh, out of the parents, you know, being the boss in the family. So you have to train the parents. You have to do parent training. You have to do coach trainings to improve their ability, their skills, you know, in order to be better leader. So I said myself, you know, I have to train you and you have to talk to the team. The funny thing was that many times, you know, he said, he started to talk, I mean, maybe sometimes about technical things, anxiety, attention, concentration, motivation, cohesion. And then after a few minutes, said, okay, let's Bruno, you know, explain it. He can explain this better than me. And I had him sitting in front, you know, as the first, you know, listener. Can you imagine you know, the, when he delegated the power like this, how much power he used to give me? He was listening and agreeing and saying yes. So he helped me so much. But I always suggested him, you know, don't just, you know, tell the people what they have to do. Don't, I mean, keep this in mind. Don't talk to the person. Talk with the person. This is a very, very important thing. And so why? You remember that French, sometimes they are a little bit, you know, 
they say full of themselves because they love their their beautiful potential. But the British, <laughs> come on, sometimes that's the same. I mean, they're proud. Put it this way, you know. I, I appreciate that. You have a beautiful, a wonderful beer that I love, which is London Pride. You know, so I agree with your pride because you know I had a lot, a lot, a lot of experience with your pride. But I mean, which means that if you turn this pride into false pride, then you have a problem. Just and you add this to what I said before. So explain your point of view. Open yourself. Present yourself. You know, you are a very, very, you know, uh, qualified coach. I mean. Their personal history talk about you, you know, your career, your, your, your palmares talk about you. You have won everywhere. So you don't have to demonstrate nothing. Just explain your way of thinking. What are your values, your mission, your identity, your belief system? Uh, not only that, I mean, explain the way that you see football. And believe me, in this, for example, I suggest him, you know, I, I, I read at that time a lot of uh, British newspaper, even before. And I sort of said, you know what? I had the impression that, you know, journalists, I'm, I'm, maybe they disagree, they don't know very much about football. They like to talk about gossip or things, but they're not technical. They're not, they, they don't know football. We have a lot of journalists here, press, they know football. They can talk about football. They ask questions about football, not gossip around football. And I said, Carlo, you have to do this. You know, this is what we did also in Italy. You have to invite the press and said, please let me explain my point of view. I want to show you and explain you, you know, what the Christmas tree is, what a 434 is, what the, you know, what the different uh, the schema that I use are. So, I mean, I want you to know the way that I think when I think football. When I teach football, when I when I make the lineup you know, for 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 the game, and let me tell you, if you do this in a little conference, they would be inviting in 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 Coban, okay, for this uh, uh, one and a half hour, one and a half hour, one hour, one and a half hour of a meeting, and they when they did it three four times, and after that you take them out in an Italian very good Italian restaurant. Then you have the press on your side. I mean, not because you know they please you, but you know, it's a to me it's a very important uh, way of you know creating cohesion and and because press and and the club and the coaches they should be you know allied all together because they have to spread this bloody football and football and and in England too is like a religion. I mean, to some of the fanatic or the fans that they follow. So you have to be careful, you know, in proposing a role model. And this is to be also supported by, you know, this uh, uh, authority role. I mean, they have the, the power, you know, to, be, to influence uh, a social uh, role model. And it has to be positive. If you want them to say football is not just a game, but football is a tool, is a way of, you know, helping new generation to grow, you know, and being a, a school of life, developing, you know, all these principles that are behind that. Because you don't become a top player just because you have talent, you know. I told many times the player, talent, whenever they, they, they say, oh, he's a talented, okay, then give a medal to their parents. A talent is not something that has to give, I mean, you have nothing for the talent. Talent was given. 
as a free gift by God, from God, through your parents, through the nature to you. So there's nothing to say about you, the talent. Uh, you, I mean, need to be recognized because of what you have done with your talent, which is training. Then it becomes performance. And that, you know, then is related to you. Bruno, did you face any resistance to what you're trying to implement? Okay. As I said, you know, for example, when, uh, I met John Terry, he was a captain. You know? And of course, uh, I met him in, 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 then in, in the Carlos Ancelotti's office. And uh, let me tell you what I said at the very beginning, which is also true. I mean, I never had the idea, you know, to manipulate or to lie to the per generating person and to player, which is, you know, you create a, they don't trust you anymore. That's what I'm saying. And when Carlo introduced me, you know, being the head also of the sports, I said, listen, listen carefully. I ask you, because I ask, what are, <laughs> what are you going to do? As an assistant coach, you don't talk about football. You're never playing football. You don't talk about technical stuff. What the fuck are you doing here? Okay. So, exactly. This is exactly how he asked me. <laughs> it's a very good question. But let me ask you a question. Sir. I guess that you, you want to be healthy and fit. And let's say that being healthy and fit, you know, you want to be consistent in this uh, personal state for a long time, long period. Because if you are you know, in good shape, you know, and you feel good, and you're not injured, and, and, and then you can play and perform. And you, then you prolong your career. Oh, sure, that's what I want. This is what I want too. And this is what we did in AC Milan. So you see, we have a common goal. We have to speak the same language because then we have the same goal. And if we speak the same language, you know, then it'll be easy. So I will come to you with what? Please. Why don't you take the team, you know, in the conference room and I will introduce you with very, very simple technology. So once you explain that and you do not pretend, uh, I mean, to, to be God or, you know, and try to be humble, you know, in what you do, then I, I told you, then you have also, I mean, the players on your side. You had some big characters in that, in that dressing room. You've got the likes of... John Terry, Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba. Were, were there particular players that responded to the, the way that you worked? One day I was just, I was in the, in the dressing room and I had Drogba there, which I, I consider absolutely is a very, very intelligent person. It's educated. It's a very uh, evolved person to me. Very intelligent guy. And I was just talking to him. And I said to myself, okay, I want, I want to come closer to him. You know, how could I do that? And then I had this idea. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I call on the phone Clarence Seedorf. And I knew that to Didier Drogba, I mean, Clarence was absolutely an icon. It was a person that he respected so much. And then I remember, you know, that when I had Clarence Seedorf on the phone, and I was telling him, yes, I'm here, I'm sitting with Drogba and talking to him. And he didn't know that I was speaking to Clarence Sidor. Okay. So eventually he asked me, said, oh, I want to talk to him. So I, I, I grabbed the, the mobile and I said, Didier, there is a guy who want to talk to you. Okay. And I saw him standing, standing immediately when he heard the voice. And I said, wow. He could, they couldn't see each other, you know, but I said, wow, this behavior show me you know, immediately with the body language, you know, how much this guy has a connection and a strong respect. 
And just because, you know, I introduced him with, with as one of my best friends, which is true, Clarence and Fido, we are very close friends, you know. Then, you know, this helped me, you know, to come closer to him because I asked him, Didier, you have to help me, you know, to, to, you know, to contact deeper, you know, also this, uh, these guys. I mean, which we found out it was fantastic. Sien, John, uh, Kenobi, I mean, all these guys, they were Maluda, also guys, you know, they only need, if you take, if you, if you give them the time, you know, to understand, which is normal in general, it's a part of the communication the process that you have. If you have the person, you give them the time. I mean, let's say if I'm talking to you, I'm talking about something new. So what I'm eventually I'm introducing is the concept that I, I want to move you from the present state to a different new state, okay? From the zone that where you are comfortable now to a new zone. If you don't know enough about the new zone, and if you don't realize that this is, you know, better place, you have, uh, I mean, a lot of advantages going there. It's good for you. You don't move. You don't go there. But if I give you enough information, then you want to go there. You want to move there. Because you said, okay, why not? I mean, it's, it's, it's a little work to do. I have to change a little bit. You know, but what I gain is a lot. So that was the same. I gave the time. I asked for help. I was very much helped. Because you mentioned Lampard. Lampard, you know, was a, a and he is an incredible positive person. He was so strong, so cool. I never heard to him. I don't think that he even have in his vocabulary the word tired. He doesn't even know what that means. I know for sure. And I said, it's impossible. How can you work that much, that hard? They can beat you here, train. He's always there. It was the same with John. I mean, I said, and that's when I said to Carlos, be careful. You have to think, you know, that they will never come to you saying, Coach, we need a little no, we need a little rest. Never. Then, and, and even if they're injured, they don't come to you and tell you. They don't come to you. That's why I'm saying, and it's true, and it's true. And that was a problem sometimes. Because as I tell you, I told you, you need to protect them because of this potentially positive characteristic, they can put themselves in a situation where they are unuseful for the team because they injure themselves. <laughs> and when you are injured, <laughs> you, you, are not a, you are not in the fight anymore. You are not in the battle. You are in the, <laughs> you are in the medical department. So you have to come to you and say, what the fuck have you done? I mean, what are you doing there? You know, you're supposed to be out there on the pitch, you know, with your teammate, you know, and, and play and fight. What are you doing here? So sometimes we have to change a little bit, as I said, change this uh, fighting attitude you know, with a smarter attitude, which is more than, um, okay, let me tell you. Now I'm not talking about the player. Now I'm talking in general, okay? Because this is a problem that you have in general with someone who has this uh, macho idea. You know, I'm, I had Argentinian player, so you know, you know how much they have this macho man idea. You know, the, 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 this uh, the macho man, machismo, I guess. And I said, okay, this is good, but listen, guy, when you just follow this way of thinking, you have to think that you may put yourself in a situation where you are not helping the team. So you may, I mean, apply this 
in an individual sport. I told you I was a fighter. I also entered in the ring. So if I was so stupid, you know, to enter a fight without being 100%, I was just knocked down. But I wasn't that stupid because I know, you know, how much, you know, kicks and punch, <laughs> they hurt you. So I said, whenever I want to go there, I remember my coach used to tell me, yeah, you have to enter the ring with two bags. One, you put, you know, the, 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 the kicks and the punch that you want to offer the other. The other one, when you collect the one he was giving you. So I said, okay. And I, when I went there, I, I, I brought a little bag like this for the ball, so the incoming <laughs> kick, and a big one for the one that I had to deliver. Okay, so that was the same when I talk about the um, the attitude with this player. And I said, nothing wrong with the attitude, but you have to be practical. Practical means if you think about what you do, and you look at your jersey, you have on the front side, you know, the name of the club or the sponsor, whatever it is. On the back, we have your name. You have to choose what is the most important. Because if you think that your name on the back is more important, then you think selfish. You think about you and your ego. But if you think in a collective mind, and you, you are a member of the team, then you have to submerge your ego, your personal individual ego, in a collective ego. And the collective ego should filter your way of thinking with, Coach, well, let me tell you, I am not 100% okay. I am not that good okay. I am 70%, 80%, whatever it is. If you want me to be in the fight, I will go there and fight for death. But I want you to know that I am not fully, you know, energized today. I am not as that good. But if you want me there, I will be there and fight. And that is the only adult attitude. Because you submerge your ego in a collective ego. And I remember we had a problem like this, you know. When we, when I remember in AC Milan, we had, you know, a guy who didn't say what we saw in the, in the, in the Milan lab, which was a risk of injury. But the guy didn't even want to listen. I want to go. I want to go. And he injured himself and he had to stay out for seven months. And we lost him. And he had difficulty. We won the Champions League. I mean, in any case, but we had a problem because, I mean, in the, in the, in Ancelotti's mind was, you know, you will be so important for me on this uh, Wednesday game that was, you know, the Champions League that I'm prepared not to use you in this local game. So we will start without you. If we succeed, we don't put you on the pitch. If not, I will use you maybe 20 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it takes. But I want to protect you for the most important game, which is Wednesday. The guy, he didn't want to do that. He injured himself. And Carlo had a, a big problem because we had already a defender who was injured. So he had a real problem. So you see, these little things could, you know, condemn the entire team and the club to lose the Champions League. And you know that when you talk to the CEO and the general manager and the financial manager, well, they have the heart, but in front of the heart, they have the wallet. And to them, Champions League means, means 120 million francs, Swiss francs. And then, the, and then, you know, the sponsor and then whatever. So it's a business of about 200 million euros. And you don't want to waste it out of the window 
because you have a guy who wants to play the tough guy. This is part of the culture of engineering. You see, this is something that has to be settled and has part to become a way of thinking that the club support, that the staff support, and that the players, you know, implement, and then you put it into practice. So you have, you know, and this requires work. This is part of the team building. It doesn't count by itself. It has to be structured. Bruno, based on your uh, experience in England, what, what do you think needs to happen for psychology to become a, a key component of how the majority of clubs approach things? The problem is that there is not a demand because the, the federation, the association, they have not created the mentality in the sports environment, coaches and players. Because if the players does not experience, you know, he will never... To, I mean, now Carlo Ancelotti has his assistant coach, he's his son. His son used to play in the reserve team in AC Milan. So he has experienced completely, you know, the, the, the work that we have done with Milan Lab. So he has now he has developed a new mentality, which is the mentality of the third millennium. He's an assistant coach with the lab in his mind, with the importance of data. Because the future is data. My invitation is now for the British Association, I mean, a football association, please think about this idea of introducing applied psychology in the training program for coaches. Because if they come out knowing this, they will probably try to introduce it. And when the players, they experience this, they may be that when become coach, it will be much easier for it, for them to apply it. And so they will ask for, I mean, for a, a professionals in this area. And then they will offer, you know, a better service to the club and to the player. Bruno, that's really interesting because obviously, obviously Frank Lampard's now a coach, uh, a head coach, a manager himself, and, and he will have worked with you at Chelsea. Were, were there specific psychological techniques that you introduced at Chelsea that, that he would have learned from? Well, you see, we didn't have enough time because it really takes time. And I told you, you have to be very prudent because if you push too much, I told you, you know, uh, especially with this characteristic, especially when you have uh, leaders like this, when you have uh, a human being with such a personality, as I said, you know, we are not talking prima donna here. We are talking about leader. I mean, you know, John Terry and Lampard, but all of them, I mean, I remember the, all the players that you mentioned are leaders. So you have to show always respect. You have to wait for them to come. Don't try to push. Don't play the role of being authoritarian, I mean, especially with those guys, and especially me, because I'm not, you know, uh, a football expert, so they don't recognize you. So at the very first beginning when you start, as I said, you have to Try to give a feedback and prove that your feedback is useful for their performance. So once that we have found that reading the, their training, reading their performance with this concept, measuring the load and measuring physiology, we could you know, adjust better the coach training program in order for them to be fitter without adding extra time for the training. You look for what we call the quality training. Quality training is exactly what you need. Not one minute more, not one minute less. Because if you add one minute of training, then you have to add one minute of recovery. 
and you have to weigh that much, especially in England, I told you, because the way you play football. I mean, I, I was always surprised. There are no teams that, you know, just stay there like here sometimes you're in Italy and they walk. They don't walk. If you walk, they jump on you, they hit you. So, I mean, if you have not the spirit, it's better not to go and play in England. I mean, which is fantastic for, for uh, me. I was a spectator and I remember I told you, I come from a fighting sport. So I love the, 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 the British football. So, because I say, they don't play football. They fight and they play football. But it's true. I mean, I mean, I was very, even the referee, you know, they don't whistle so much like here in Italy. Yellow, yellow, stop, stop. I mean, when I was there, you know, <laughs> I realized, okay, wow. You know, if the, if this game was played or, or, or run by, you know, by a, 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 an Italian referee, they probably has whistled 300% times more. And, and, and me, to me, that is the best way to do it. So you increase some of the characteristic that football want to improve, you know, uh, resist, uh, to pain, overcome a little bit, you know, about pain and uh, uh, be honest, be loyal, you know. So what we did at the very beginning was I built this mind room there. I mean, in, in Chelsea, we also built the mind room, okay? And the very first course we did in the beginning was assessing and give them report. We was generally bringing them before a game or the day before. And when Carlo, you know, give uh, all the information, we start to include in what we called integral and integrated report. Why integral and integrated report? Because normally, if you look, you know, all the comments that manager give to the player, they talk about physical condition, and then they have the technical and tactical analysis, the scouting. These are two areas. They don't talk about the third area. So, we used to give an integral and integrated report, which, you know, takes in consideration everything. Of course, you have to be delicate. You don't tell you are good, you are not good. But you're telling the people, okay, maybe that you, 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 if you have you no know, 10, 15 minutes, if you come there, we do a little, you know, uh, exercise, a little work to improve your recovery system, because you will be feel better, okay? And this means, you know, that it will come, they will do, uh, breathing exercises. Oh, I mean, applied things. I, th I think we asked you this question about Milan, but who were the players at Chelsea that were most interested in, in the sports science and psychological side of things? One of the guys who used always been there was Peter Cech. He was always there every morning. He wanted to check. We used to put 10 uh, electrodes on his entire uh, muscular chain, starting from the neck, going to the calf. And we was measuring all this, I mean, uh, level of tension. And he used and he knows how to do this uh, applied exercises. And when he, and he didn't move, if he hasn't completely balanced, you know, uh, the level of tension from the left side and the right side. And, and specifically to each one of, of the muscle district taken in consideration. You see, and you have this with evidence. It was written. It's myogram that you're, it's a, it's micromos that you're measuring. It's microvolt. It's a number that you're measuring. So it's there. <laughs> it's recorded. And you can compare this, you know, so you can see how you improve and increase your ability, capacity, your competence 
And when you do that, you develop your own inner system. I will probably try to explain myself in in an easier way. You probably know, oh, yes, you know what a sat nav is, okay? So if I want to go to your office, I only need to digit your address. And these bloody little things takes me there. This does not make a better driver of myself, but this helped me not to waste time. It takes me exactly there. And then if I come to your place and I drive two, three times and I pay attention to the way, you know, to your house, to your office, then maybe that I don't need it anymore because I've learned the same art was with this exercise. When you come and you do the exercise, like a sad nav, you're guided the very first time, then you, you learn how to do it because as you learn the way outside to come to your place, you know the way inside to reach your inner goal. So that's why, oh, for example, I mentioned Peter Chuck because it, he was also another evolved individual, a very intelligent person, and an evolved athlete. And as all the outstanding person, they are greedy, they are selfish, they are professional stealers. They steal from everything and everybody, and this is the way it should be. Because they wanted to improve. Remember when I mentioned Clarence Seedorf? Everyone knows him as a super player. No, everyone called him professor. I remember that. His teammate called him, oh, the professor is coming. Not because they want to make fun of it, because they recognize him, not only the ability and capacity to play fantastic football, but because he was incredible here. His ability to analyze, to use tactical, you know, in the game, boom, he was the one who was always the solution. They called him professor. He was the one. I remember every morning he used to come in. I told you, he was a good friend. He said, something new for me today? I said, fuck you. Said, no, nothing new today. He said, what the fuck are you doing? Said, you see the point? You, you talked about outstanding players. One outstanding player that you had at Chelsea was Fernando Torres. So he's bought in your second season in January. And he arrives at the club, and I, I think it's fair to say that, that he went on a really bad run of form. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I remember him. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Fernando Torres joins. He's been brilliant at Liverpool. He comes to Chelsea. He doesn't perform quite as well. Was there anything that, that you worked on as a coaching team to try and change his, his mindset, his mentality, when he went through that bad run of form? First of all, you don't have to change. No one wants to change. They have to find that they have to change. That was the problem. You know, to me, sometimes is that if possible, uh, like when you want to introduce, you know, a professional like me, it has to be done in the pre-season. You don't jump on board while the ship is, is, is sailing because you have no time to eventually do what you do. When we came, you know, and was in June, we joined at the end of June, Jul- uh, July, you know, the club, we had enough time to organize everything, to take contact with the staff, to take contact with the director, with the manager, with the club, with the medical doctor, with the physiotherapist. We had time to do the team building. We had the time to explain. Now we have a guy who came on board and he has his own mentality. You don't have someone who's coming and they are already resisting said, what I'm doing here. You, know, you are the one who's coming in. If you want, if you immediately jump on him, you have to change. Once again, no one wants to change. You have someone that come to you and said, is there something that you can do for me? No, they will never ask you something. They will let you understand. 
you have to pick up some, you know, little phrase or something put in there. You understand that it needs help. And so you change immediately. I change. Can you help me to understand, you know, how all your ability or your capacity can be understood better from the coach? Can I help? You know, can you help me? You see what I'm pointing? I'm not, but this is a psychological approach. This isn't an, a specific communication. If I'm asking you, you, you know, if I come there and said, oh, can you help me? You know, let's assume that I am appointed to your company as the human resource manager. No? And I come to you and say, hey, can you help me to understand how uh, we can improve the communication, the relation with the boss? And probably, you know, yes, you have been working there for a long time and you start to talk to me. And this means communication. I understand your belief. I understand your need. I understand your desire. We establish a rapport. So you open the door a little, little bit. And then I can try to throw a little bit more. Because that's the only way. It's selling. Going back to this guy. Once again, we have not all the time. Because he has to perform the day after. That's exactly how it was. So you don't have the time to say, you know, to do normally what you do, team building, to do all the assessment, to take him through and compare how they react, to try to test if what you propose, it's good for him or, or the resistance. And then the problem, what is it? If you put the guy immediately on stage to perform and they don't go well, then you bring problem at home. Because the first impression is the negative one. To, to whom? To the players to the fans, to the club, and then you start the pressure and you start completely the demotivated cycle. That's the vicious cycle. And that's why they need to have, you know, a previous, that's what you do in pre-season, okay? In pre-season, you develop, you know, the way to cope and deal with eventually, uh, let's say, I never call failure, but unexpected results, which are deviating from the expectation, okay? then you have to be supported by the entire team. The entire team, you know, that was a technique. So when you have the, the, uh, the journalist interviewing you, you, the best player, the key player, has to say, you know, we have to give time, John, to cope with us. We need to be patient. They have to protect you. They have to defend you. If they do this, no one will attack the new guys. You, you see what I'm saying? Because you the leader, you the strong part of the team, you are putting yourself in front. In the meantime, you, motiva you motivate and you support your colleague who will say, wow, instead of they jumping on me, they are protecting me, they are defending me. Wow, I need to bust my ass deep now. Let me go and look for help. I will ask anybody to help me. Then they will come, probably come to you a little bit. You see? But then we have not enough time. That's what I was saying. So things has to be done. It's like precision. Why do we have precision? Because everyone knows that you take uh, two, three, four uh, weeks, uh, you know, to condition player. That's normally what I do. Why do we have, we need two, three, four seasons to condition player in the physical area, physical athletical area, and to develop a, a scheme of play and, and the technical skill. And we don't have to, we don't need time, you know, to work on the mental area. Because they don't feel they need that. Bruno, thanks so much for coming back to speak to us about your time in England. I mean, it's, it's been a real pleasure to have you on again. I mean, I really appreciate it because we need desperately 
to spread all these ideas. When, you, when you're in London next time, we can uh, meet up for a, a pint of London Pride. Oh, only one. <laughs> <laughs> So that was our interview with Dr. Bruno Di Michaelis, AC Milan's former scientific coordinator and Chelsea's ex-human performance director. And Luke, what a guy. Story after story. Yeah, I don't think there's much more we can add because I think we said it all um, after after our first interview with Bruno. But but yeah, it was it was just incredible. Like just hearing him kind of come over to England and all of the culture change and kind of having to deal with a totally different setup. Just so fascinating. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting that he talked about acclimatising to English football. Uh, and the one thing that he really kind of honed in on a couple of times, actually, was the attitude of English players in comparison to, to their Italian counterparts. And I think he actually used the phrase at one point, English players have only one speed, full speed, basically. I, and I wondered if that was still true, because... You know, you can think about the stereotypes kind of back in the day, so to speak, or at least when Bruno was at Chelsea. And yeah, you know, your John Terry's, your Steven Gerrard's, they kind of epitomise that. But I mean, football's moved on so much. And you do look at some of the players, some of the English players operating in the top flight now, and you think, is that still is that still true? Yeah, I think that I think that's true. I mean, we we were saying just before we started recording, you know, if you look back in two thousand and nine, it probably was true because you mentioned kind of John Terry, Gerard, Carragher, Kevin Nolan. Like the Premier League was kind of full full of those kind of classic sort of combative British players. But I think you're right. I think um, I think it's a bit different now. Although although that stereotype does seem to manifest in in the media still quite a lot, but. I think I think the intensity of the Premier League is is something that still exists. I, I think um, all of Bruno's observations around the intensity of English football uh, would be the same. I wonder if now though it's less to do with the the culture of the of the English player, and actually like it's more to do with the influences of kind of pressing from from managers from abroad like Klopp and Guardiola. So I think the intensity is still there. Whether it's an intrinsically Brit- British thing anymore um, may not be the case. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a really good point, actually. Uh, and, and speaking of Klopp, actually, there was a, a really good article recently in The Athletic about uh, Klopp's kind of role as, as Liverpool's lead psychologist. And yeah, that was something that Bruno talked a bit about, actually. He talked about the fact that Carlo Ancelotti was, was kind of really keen to get kind of personal coaching from from Bruno when it came to when it when it kind of came to learning about the psychological side of the game. And I just thought that's I mean just such a testament to to Ancelotti, but also to some of the other coaches Bruno mentioned who were kind of equally interested in personal development. You know, they've reached that stage in the game and yet this they still have the appetite to kind of demand one on one coaching to kind of just keep on in improving themselves. Yeah, I, I found that really interesting as well. And I, I, I generally find Carlo Ancelotti quite an interesting character as a football manager because he is quite famous um, for being quite a pragmatic manager. So he, he's had success in most jobs he's been in, which is which is unusual. Um, you know, very few coaches can claim to have had success at sort of four or five different clubs in the way that Ancelotti has. And, and one of the things that a lot of people put that down to is his pragmatism in terms of his approach where he's 
kind of willing to adapt himself to kind of work with the players he's got or work in the environment of the club that he's at rather than just kind of turning up on day one and saying, right, this is how I do things. It's my way or the highway. Um, so, so you'd kind of imagine that he'd be that kind of reflective character. It is interesting when you think about some other coaches though, isn't it, John? So um, I, I can think of some coaches which might be less willing to kind of uh, compromise on, on their beliefs and their, their way of doing things. I'm sure, I'm sure listeners can, uh, can put some names out there in terms of who I might be talking about. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll leave listeners to draw their own conclusions there. Yeah, and, and, and John, actually, uh, you know, changing the subject again, another observation for the interview, which I thought was, uh, was, was really, really great, was when he talked about Fernando Torres joining, joining Chelsea. I mean, that's a, a particular kind of moment in Premier League history, which is of you know, great interest to a lot of people anyway. But you know, we're in January now. It is a January transfer window. And I thought Bruno spoke really articulately about the challenges of being a high profile signing midway through the season. So he, he talked a lot about, you know, you come in as a big, you know, a big name uh, with a big price, but you're coming into a big club with with established players already. And he talks about all the kind of obvious things that I'm sure most of us could could probably come up with around missing out on the preseason, not understanding kind of the the, the tactical approach or the or the setup at the club and all of that kind of the technical side of the game. I thought the really interesting thing he picked up on was that one of the key things you get as a player from pre-season is building up that kind of camaraderie with the rest of your teammates so that when the season does start, you're a real unit. If anybody makes a mistake, it's kind of a slight siege mentality. You look after each other um, and you know that it's kind of a safe environment where you'll get support. You don't get that immediately when you turn up in January. So you've got all of that external scrutiny from the media, from the fans, but actually you're getting a fair amount of internal scrutiny where there's big players saying, well, who's this guy? Can he fit in here? He's not one of us yet. Uh, So you're straight into the mix, first couple of games. And if it doesn't start well, which is what Bruno said, that cycle of kind of confidence eroding can kind of come about very, very quickly. And I think, you know, Fernando Torres is the epitome of that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think my, my, my advice to Torres in that in that January transfer window would have been go for a pint with Bruno Di Michaelis. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> because that if you if you don't come out of that with renewed confidence, then I don't know what uh, I don't know what will help you. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, my impression is John that if you went for a pint with Bruno Di Michaelis, a it wouldn't be one, and b it would probably affect your performance over the next couple of weeks in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is, that is true. That seems a a fitting way to to end this week's episode. Thanks very much for listening. Um, if you've liked what you've heard, then please do leave a a review. Uh, and you can also find a uh, loads more material on our website at speakthepress.net. Mm-hmm.